been talking and I usually teach in series. So all this summer I've been talking uh, when I hadn't been on vacation about preparing yourself for Jesus' return. How many believe that Jesus could be coming back in your lifetime? So let me preface everything by saying I say that every time and there's always an addendum in my head knowing that God could put this thing on hold and it'd be another 200 years before Jesus comes back because he's not willing that any should perish but all come to repentance. But it feels like we could be the generation that sees the king come back. Are you excited about that? It's both exciting and terrifying all at the same time. That's the truth. So we've been talking about what that's going to look like and how we can prepare ourselves. And uh, so let me just say this. You know, God called me as a pastor. A pastor is a shepherd. We know very little about shepherds in America because we're generally not agrarian anymore. But, you know, shepherds take care of animals and they, they make sure they're fed well. They make sure that they're protected from harm. And uh, their, their goal is to give that, give that animal a real really good nice life so my heart as a shepherd is uh to warn you of impending danger that's part of it but then also to prepare you for what is coming and and as a, as a pastor of a church I, I just want you to get in the word i know if you get the word of god in you you'll be insulated uh from all of the mess around us and you'll also be prepared for your future yeah is that right? So that's the reason I do what I'm doing. So we're living in unprecedented times. Uh, all of us feel that way. Um, and we've talked about the time period that Jesus comes back being a time period. People don't realize this is really a time period of judgment where, where God judges all of his enemies and he judges Satan for usurping uh, uh, man's place on earth. He was given the dominion that God gave Adam and Eve, and he's been making a mess and a wreck of this planet all of these years ever since the first man, Adam and, Adam and Eve, sinned. But Jesus is coming back to, to grab his hide and chunk him somewhere he'll never get out and to make this earth uh, back into the pristine place it was before Adam and Eve sinned. Is that good news? you just so excited about it, I can tell. So anyway... Um, Jesus said this in Matthew 24. He said, he said, um, I said the time period just before he comes will be one of the most difficult times the, the world has ever known. In fact, if that time period wasn't shortened, no one would be able to survive it. But for the sake of those that know God, he said he would shorten it. This past Friday, uh, I usually sleep really well at night and I was sleeping soundly and suddenly woke up and I usually sleep seven hours. I slept seven hours. And when I woke up, my head was still on the pillow. And the moment, no kidding, the moment I woke up, I heard the Lord speak to me right inside. I want you to go read Matthew 24. Well, I hadn't even got my head off the pillow yet. I want you to go read Matthew 24. And Matthew 24 is the chapter in the New Testament where, you, of course, you know, uh, disciples asked Jesus what the world would look like just before he came back. And I said to the Lord before I took my head off my pillow, well, I've read that a whole lot. He said, read it again. I said, okay. So I got up, you know, got my coffee, went upstairs and started reading and uh, read Matthew 24 and did a fairly exhaustive, detailed read of it. And uh, as I was reading it, I was became very aware that, you know, it's amazing how world uh, the world situation is lining, lining up to be just exactly what Jesus said it would be before he returns. So let me talk about that just a little bit. Uh, I've, it's in the notes. In fact, I probably want to read this uh, just for sake of time to make it quicker. The seedbed for Matthew 24 or what the world will look like just before Jesus comes back in an eerie way. How many know the world's lining up for that? So today I want to uh, use that as a pivot point to show you what you can do to be prepared for what's coming on the earth and how you can shine and smile through in the middle of it. How many hear me? So we'll get there in just a minute. So the seedbed for Jesus' return is in place already. The framework, listen, uh, for the world government that the Bible talks about in the book of Revelation, uh, 
is being formed, formed slowly, implemented. You hear terms like uh, the 2030 project where, you know, they want to combine the nations of the world. I think that has a lot to do with it. The rise of the world leader that you will never hear this publicly, but that the Bible calls Antichrist is being formed. Our nation is in absolute turmoil. Our federal government and I'm going to say this because I, I, it's, it seems to be true to me. Our federal government, uh, in a lot of ways, has set aside our Constitution, our Bill of Rights, and is doing what they want to do. They're becoming lawless, and it's setting the stage for what is to come because we are uh, the most influential nation on earth and have been for a generation. Um, our one world government ideology has formed, and that has uh, in and of itself uh, plans to weaken the family structure through immorality and woke ideology to remove parental rights, to control the individual, to force compliance by limiting access to money unless you do certain things, to create a digital only currency to devalue our current cur currency and the role it plays worldwide, which will produce hyperinflation. And Jesus had something to say about that as well. It, uh, there's also a move uh, to move the world to World War III as uh, nations prepare for conflict. As a result of all this, the uh, the goods we need just to function in life, the commodities that we all use in daily life, and the infrastructure of our nation is uh, in peril in a number of ways. So how many know it's time to get ready right now? So today I want to talk to you about how to get ready with that. And at the same time, in juxtaposition to everything I just said, which sounds so negative, there is a tremendous move. There are people waking up all over our nation and there are prayer groups forming all over the place. Are you aware of that? And you know, I've studied revival. It's one of the things I enjoy and I've taken uh, several uh, courses on revival in the, you know, in my studies and all as I entered ministry. But, uh, you know, every time there was a tremendous move of God and God did something different in a, a group of people anywhere in the world, the, the, the time that God did that was usually a time of difficulty, challenge. It was either war or just uh, ge uh, geological or uh, weather things that happened that just absolutely uh, imploded a particular culture and made it very difficult to live. And in the middle of that, God came. And in the middle of that, people began to pray. And there are people that are praying all over our nation now. Are you aware of that? Uh, our church, we're involved in praying. We've got, uh, we have uh, three specific prayer times weekly. We encourage you to come Tuesdays at noon, Thursdays at noon, and then I uh, just changed it this morning, 8.15 on Sunday mornings. We've been meeting at 8. Let's meet at 8.15. We'll still have plenty of time. But if you'll come and pray, let's believe God to do something big. What do you say? We're not just praying for ourselves. We're praying for the world. We're praying for God's wisdom. We're praying for a move of the Spirit of God because the Bible, God showed Joel in the, uh, Joel chapter 2, there's going to be a great moving of the Holy Spirit just before Jesus comes back. How many are praying about all that stuff? So we could be the generation that sees all that. And how many know it's time to get, get involved and get ready, right? So get involved in our prayer meetings. This is also a time of God's miracle working power rising up. God has always met the needs of his people. How many hear me? He has always come through for us and he's going to do that now. Right now is the time to get really serious about the Bible, uh, get serious about God. Right now is the time to develop your faith, develop your prayer life, develop, develop good, solid relationships with people that you know. Because what happens one day if you can't click, click, click with your phone and get involved with all the little uh, apps online to talk to all the people you do? What kind of friends do you have if that's not available? So, you know, think about the fundamental things of life. Friendship, fellowship, that's part of life. And iron sharpens iron. We need each other. We also need faith in God and faith in his word. To do that, read the word, put it into practice, and uh, develop a good, solid prayer life. Now's the time to do it, yes or no? So last week, I started talking about the principles of faith. And this is something I learned uh, right, right when I came back to Jesus uh, just before my 18th birthday. I didn't know anything. I thought faith, well, you know, faith is just this anemic thing you have. And, and, you know, you trust Jesus as your Savior. Then live your life, you know, the best way you can. And somehow, and so I hope this is good water. It's open in Jesus' name. <laughs> anyway, here we go. 
Is it mine? Oh, good. I'm glad to know that. If not, in Jesus' name. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, but I, I didn't know anything about the principles of faith. I just thought, again, faith was just something somewhat anemic, something you talked about. Well, I got faith in Jesus to save my sin. But, but, but faith is more than that, even though I don't want to say that's not important. That's very important. But it's so much more than that. Faith is a way of life. Faith can take you through the most difficult, grinding, miserable times in your life and see you through to the other side and make sure that you're going to be okay in the middle of it. How many hear what I'm saying? I found out that faith will keep your chin off the ground, keep your, keep your face up towards God, and give you a smile when you shouldn't be smiling. I found it'll give you joy when you should have no joy. I found it'll give you peace when everything around you is a wreck. How many know faith towards God's an amazing thing? And it's, and it's, Jesus actually gave you a measure of faith. Romans 12, 3 says, we all have been given a measure of faith. He's given you all the faith you need to navigate through life. So what I did last week, and I'm going to come back on that because I didn't get through, talk to you again about the particulars of faith. I found that a lot of people think they understand faith, but when the rubber meets the road, the difficulties come, they find themselves ch so challenged that they don't know what to do. And I'm here to tell you, I've had a whole lifetime of experience from the time I was 18 until now, just learning to walk by faith and learning to put God's word into practice when things don't look right, when it's not, when life's not fair, when it looks like I've been given, so to speak, the short end of the stick, and it looks like I'm not going to make it time after time after time after time. God has always come through. And so you know what? And as we go into this really crazy time, God has promised to watch over us. Well, I took one week here a few weeks ago and talked about the covenant that we have with God. How many know you have a covenant with God if you know Jesus as your Savior? God is a covenant-keeping God. Um, uh, the word Jehovah, one of God's names in the Old Testament, is, uh, is Jehovah, and Jehovah speaks of a covenant God that reveals himself. God's constantly making promises and fulfilling them. God made uh, promises to a man named Abraham in Genesis 12 and said, through you the entire world is going to be blessed. And, the, and, and he made a covenant with him. And he said, all the families in the world will inherit blessings because of you and then you go to the new testament we find out that we by faith in jesus christ we are heirs to the promise that god gave abraham god promised to keep abraham god promised to meet all of his needs god promised to prosper and bless him in the middle of a mess god promised to keep his body well god promised to meet all of his needs and have his back when difficulty comes and you know what those same promises belong to us today is that good news that's stinking good news to me. You know, it reminds me of Philippians 4.19 uh, where Paul said, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And again, go back through the Old Testament. We've taken time to do that. Every time God's covenant people got into trouble, <coughs> excuse me, God has always made a way for them. When Noah, during Noah's day, when judgment came in Noah's day, God, built, God had Noah build an ark, get in it. God shut the door and protected him and his family from harm because Noah had a covenant with God. How many hear what I'm saying, right? Uh, a meteorite came and struck the earth during the time of Sodom and Gomorrah. And you know what? God made a way for Abraham's, uh, Abraham's family, Lot and his family, and got them out of there before the judgment came. Yes or no? During Joseph's day, there was a tremendous famine that affected all of the Middle East, and it would have devastated the, the people groups around that uh, that particular time. And God raised up Joseph through a series of circumstances and provided food for the whole world because God's people were, were there during that time. God made a way for his people and the whole world through one of his covenant people named Joseph. Is that not awesome? And then when God judged the Egyptian gods during the time of Moses, God supernaturally protected his people and made a way, from them, a way for them as judgments from really God came against the false gods of the Egyptians who were imperiling God's people. And God made a way for his people because he's a covenant-keeping God and he loves his people. If he did that for them, will he do it for us? 
Oh my goodness, you better believe he will. So again, God has given us faith today and our faith can navigate us through the troubled waters that may be coming our way and we really don't have to be afraid of anything if we trust God, yes or no? Now let me just say the way the world system set up and uh, the Antichrist and his team or the global, the global government and that team, yeah, they, they, they smelled something. They smelled the fear a few years ago. And they knew full well, if I can, we can instill fear in people, they'll do what we tell them to do, even though it may harm them, and, and we're going to control their life. You know what I'm talking about, right? If you don't read between the lines or poke your neighbor and say what he's talking about, because they'll, they'll help you figure it out, right? I'm just telling you, that same scheme is coming back up, and you know what? You need to learn, and we need to be aware now that we can live by faith and not yield to fear, not yield to oppression, yes or no? Come what may. And it's faith in God that will enable you to do that. I mentioned Hebrews eleven six. Can I talk fast? Can you listen fast? A lot to say. You know, Hebrews eleven six. I mentioned last week, without faith it's impossible to please him. He that comes to God must believe that he is. And that last part, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If you seek God with everything inside of you, there is a reward to that. There's both a spiritual reward and there is a natural reward to obeying God. Jesus said, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these natural things, that is food, clothing, shelter, all that you need will be provided, yes or no? But see, it comes along the lines of faith. Got to understand, there's going to be challenge to faith today. And I just want you to be aware, challenges to faith are coming. And see, I question myself when I find these things out. Do I have in me what it takes um, to navigate through whatever's coming and to keep my faith in God strong? Because there are three references in Scripture that reveal the fact that during this weird, strange, odd time before Jesus returns, there'll be, uh, there'll be s such things that happen on earth that it will challenge the faith of believers. Listen, listen, to, listen to this. Luke 18, Jesus said it. First of all, I tell you that he will avenge them speed, speedily and, he's, he's, and I'm not going into what he's talking about there. Then he says this, nevertheless, when the son of man comes, watch, will he really find faith on the earth? Why did Jesus say that? He said that because challenges are coming and some people allow the challenge to get inside of them and detour them, but we don't have to do that. Yes or no? First Timothy 4, 1, now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly, the Apostle Paul says, that in the last time some will turn away from the true faith. Did you hear what I just said? Some will turn away from the true faith. They'll follow deceptive spirits, teachings that come from demons. To turn away from the true faith, does that mean uh, that at some point you actually had faith? I think that's what it indicates. They're there, but they turn away. What turns them away? Could it be the pressures that come? In fact, here it is, Second Thessalonians, third place, that it mentions some people will turn away from faith as it's challenged. Let no one, this is Amplified New Testament, it amplifies the meaning of the original scriptures in the Greek language in the New Testament here. No one, let no one in any way deceive you or entrap you. For that day will not come unless the apostasy comes first and then he explains in brackets that is the great rebellion the abandonment look of the faith by professed Christians isn't that interesting whoa the man of lawlessness that's the antichrist is revealed the son of destruction brackets the antichrist one who's destined to be destroyed so wow you know when I read things like that the first thing I ask is am I going to be one of those people right there Am I going to be a person that abandons my faith and goes with the crowd and does what everybody else does because they're telling me that's the right thing to do? Let me tell you the way I live. There's something inside of me, and I found it out several years ago. There's something inside of me that, that I listen intently to what's being said. I listen intently to what's being asked of me, and if it doesn't agree with what's inside of me, I refuse to do it. Do you have that kind of spiritual backbone? You need to ask yourself that question. In our future, there could be some tremendous challenges come. 
in lots of ways. And I'll maybe explain that later today. I just want to give you the idea that uh, challenging times are in the future before Jesus comes back, but he has made a way for us to deal with it. How many hear me? So our response to all this should be faith in God. So as I said earlier, now's the time to learn how to exercise faith and live with it and live in it and let it work in your life. What I found, I've taught, taught faith the whole time I've been here at Victory Church um, uh, way back since 1994. And you know what I found out? A lot of people still haven't grasped the simple principles of many of the things that I've shared over the years. Let me just tell you how I got a hold of this. These principles of faith, I was introduced to them in 1976. I said this last week. I had been in church since I was a little boy. In fact, I jokingly say I cut my cheek teeth by gnawing on pine oak, uh, pine and oak church benches. I can remember wearing diapers to church. I've been in church all my life. But you know, the problem was it didn't get inside of me. And I didn't understand that faith could make a difference and a challenge and a change in your life and it could affect everything about you. But I have found that out. And, um, and so, you know, I have found out just like a lot of people, you can go to church, but it doesn't get in you. Right? And you, you want to let these things get inside. So I mentioned three things. I'm going to add a fourth one today, but quickly cover three of the things I mentioned last week because they, they bear repeating. And let me say this. Um, a lot of the things I do and uh, believe and say, there's certain things, ingredients to my life that I do over and 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 you get the idea, right? You know, why do I do that? Because they work. And there's some things about God and his word that I read over and over and over and I hear over and over. There are way back when cassette tapes I listen to over and over. There's scriptures I read over and over. There are books. There's some books I've read I have in my possession and I have lots of books. I've probably got over a thousand books on my iPad, for instance, and I'm constantly reading. But you know what? There's some books. There's some books that I've read certain parts of those books um, over a 40-something year period. I could say hundreds. I might even be able to say over a thousand times. Why? Because it puts something in me. So listen, just because you hear something one time doesn't mean it sticks with you. In fact, Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So I like to say it this way. Faith comes by hearing and 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 hearing. You get it? Because we have a leaking problem and we easily forget the things that we've learned. So for me, I just, some things I go over again and again. If you hear me repeat things, friends, I do that on purpose. Uh, repetition is one of the keys to learning, is it not? What do you do in school? You have those kids repeat this over and over and over and over and over. How do you learn them? Repetition. You know, how, what was it like when you learned, the, uh, when, when you learned to uh, uh, multiply? You learned the multiplication tables. How did you learn them? Over and over and over. How did you learn the ABCs? Over and over. Sing that little song, A, B, C, D, E. And just sing it over and over, right? Well, you do the same thing with the Word of God. It's the same principle, right? So three things uh, that I mentioned last week. Number one, the New Testament emphasizes walking and living by faith. Say so, so when I hear that, first thing I ask, am I living by faith? Or am I living by my wits just like everybody else? If I live like everybody else, I could lose and lose badly. Right? Hmm. Mark 9.23, Jesus said, if you can believe. Everybody say, if you can believe. See, my, 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 my eyes go to that word if. If you can believe. Can you? Well, you can if. All things are possible to him who believes. Say it out loud. All things are possible to him who believes. So is it possible for you to get that job you need? Is it possible for the finances you need to come in? Is it possible for God to extricate you from that circumstance you find yourself in? Is it possible for God to heal your body of that malady that plagues you over and over and over? Is it possible? Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible. So as I begin talking about this, understand when I talk about faith, faith is for every area of life. There is not an area of life that faith cannot be 
used to help you uh, in it and overcome it. Yes or no? So I'm talking about businesses, jobs, and financial things. I'm talking about circumstantial things. We all find ourselves in uh, hard times. Sometimes we create the hard times ourselves, yes or no. And, and then you say, God, how could I be so dumb? He say, well, you're human, that's why. And then he helps you out of it, right? And that's just the way he is. And then it also includes physical things. God made provision when, he, when Jesus went to the cross. He not only took our sins, but he also took our sicknesses on the cross so we could, have, we could be healed and walk in divine health. See how sparse that is? People don't know that. Go back to my podcast. I got a bunch of lessons on there to really help. I've been living this way for a long, long time. Faith is for every area of life, and the New Testament emphasizes that. Ephesians 6 mentions faith as a shield, taking the shield of faith by which we'll be able to quench the fiery darts that come from the enemy. And then 2 Corinthians 5, 7, I mentioned last week, we walk or live a lifestyle 24 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, of, of by faith and not by sight. So that's number one. Faith is, is an ingredient for the life of a believer. And God gives us a measure of faith. By grace we're saved through what? So where does the grace come from? It comes through the avenue of faith. Ephesians 2, 8, it's not in my notes. By grace you're saved through faith. And that faith is not of ourselves. We don't just kind of wake up one day and say, <clears throat> I'm going to get me some faith. <clears throat> no, God places it in you. See, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any person should boast. So God gives you faith so you can navigate the rough waters of life and end up at Jesus' feet one day in heaven hearing, well done, good and faithful servant, yeah? Second point I made last week is living by faith means taking God at his word. Watch, even when you don't see it working or feel like it's making a difference at all. There is no sight and there is no feeling at the beginning stages of a walk with God by faith. When I first came to Jesus, I had a lot of days I felt like I was away from God and God didn't forgive my past because my mind would remind me of who I was, where I'd been, who I'd been with, and how often I'd done it. Have you ever been there? And every time I thought about it, I felt gloomy and down and depressed and off. And I want you to know Jesus wants to turn you on to him and let, he wants you to let him forgive you and cleanse you. And to do that, you got to let go of your feelings. So one of the first things I had to do, if God, I started saying, if God said he forgave me, he forgave me. And then I found scriptures like Hebrews uh, 10, 17, their sins and lawless deeds, I will remember no more. So if I was remembering my past and it was bringing inferiority and condemnation to me, did that come from God? No, it came from me and sometimes the enemy and sometimes people that knew me in my past, yes or no? Sometimes your family can be a booger. Sometimes they can be your biggest problem. Huh? Because they know who you were, what you did, how long you did, and how many times. And they frequently remind you during the get-togethers throughout the year, right? Yeah. Well, I found out, well, to walk by faith means I've got to, to in some ways, get a divorce from my feelings. I've got to say, feelings, get your butt and sit them right over here. I'm going to believe what God says, even though it doesn't seem to be true. And in the initial years of my life with God, I had a lot to overcome. I, my mind, I just can't tell you, my mind remembers so many things. I got this. I can remember back when I was a year, I, I can remember wearing diapers, and I won't even go there. And all kinds of stuff throughout my life. So, you see, I had to learn to forget, and I had to learn to lay aside what God laid aside. Isaiah 43, 25, I even I am he who blots out your transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember your sin. Isn't that great? So anytime that I would be in the city where I was raised, where I came to Jesus, and I'm at a certain location, it reminds me of being there with some friends doing this or that. I would say, you know what? God forgot I did that, and I make a choice to forget too, Right? Now, that's called walking by faith. What am I doing? I'm laying aside my feelings. I'm laying aside the emotions. How many know emotion? Emotions go right along with thoughts. If you're having a hard time 
wrestling your emotions down, forget about them. Deal with your thinking. Get rid of the thinking that produces the bad emotions. Do you hear me? And I had to lay my emotions over here. I had to lay my thoughts over here. I'd go to church and I'd feel like a worm. I'd feel like the, the worst person in the whole building when I first came to the Lord. And I had to keep reminding myself, God said he forgave me. God said he forgave me. He said he forgot the person I used to be. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. I'm a brand new person. I'm a person that never existed before. Is that good? And see, that's walking and living by faith. So I just took that and extrapolated it into every other area of life, my finances, my circumstances, my physical body, and everything else that I had to deal with. And then when God gave me assignments, I had to make a decision that if God told me to do that, I can do it even though it looks like it's not working. How many hear me? So that's the reason the Apostle Paul, as I mentioned last week, uh, Philippians 4.11, Arthur S. Way's translation, no, I've learned in whatever condition I am. Listen, to be independent of circumstances. Everybody say independent of circumstances. What does that mean? The circumstances look awful. It looks like you're not going to make it. It looks like you're failing. But you say no in all these things. I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. Your, your feelings tell you you're depressed. Nobody cares about you. You're alone. You're isolated. But God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I don't know how many times I was in Bible school and I was working and, and life was difficult and hard and seems like I didn't have a friend in the world because I had to let my friends go that I knew all my lifetime because they wouldn't change and I wasn't going to be like them anymore. And I just said, God, you said you'd never leave me nor forsake me. You see, you learn to walk by faith in every area of life. And I tell you, there's not one circumstance that can keep you down if you'll learn to put God's word, believe God's word over and above every thought, every emotion, and every circumstance you find yourself in. Yes or no? It's amazing how it works. So he said, I'm schooled to bear the depths of poverty. I'm schooled to bear abundance and life as a whole in all its circumstances. I've mastered the secret of living, how to be the same amidst repletion and starvation. Now what's that? How to be the same. That means regardless of the circumstances, I don't change. Is that cool? How to be the same amidst repletion and starvation, amidst abundance or the other end of the spectrum, privation. I'm equal to every lot. That means every single thing that comes, the good, the bad, the ugly, the indifferent, when it looks like I'm failing, when it looks like I'm succeeding, when it looks like everybody's for me, when it looks like nobody's for me, when all the, everybody's saying, hip, hip, hooray, you're here, and, or everybody's saying, what are you doing here again, jerk? All right? You never change. You just keep the smile, and you do it by faith. How many hear me? I, I don't know any better way to navigate life than this right here. I am equal to every lot. That means regardless of what comes, I'm going to make it. I'm equal to every lot through the help of him who gives me inward strength. I've said it in my life this way. As long as I can keep one nostril above water and suck some air every once in a while, I'm going to make it. As long as I'm breathing, right? See, the reason that you uh, can can make it and the person, the person living by faith can be the same and good and challenging and the challenging times is because they're looking at God's word and not the circumstance. See, that's the big difference, right? So I talked about that last week and, and then 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18, New Living Translation is really good. Um, it says, for our present troubles are small, won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs uh, them and will last forever. So here's what he does. We don't look at the troubles we can see now. That, that means that it looks like you're not making enough money to pay your bills. Inflation's crazy right now. You know that. It's probably over 10%. I don't know what it, I haven't looked at it lately, but the, the stats you get are not true. Have you figured that out? Inflation's nuts. Well, I, I'm not, so it's what he's really saying. I'm not looking at the inflation. I'm not looking at the grocery store uh, end game when I go to the grocery store to pay the bill. I'm not looking at how much I'm having to pay. I'm looking at God's word that says, my God will meet all my needs. If I got to pay $500 a week or $1,000 a week for groceries, God promised to provide, right? So I'm not belly aching about how awful it is. I'm looking at God's word and talking about how gracious he is and how much he meets my needs. Yes or no? 
You know, it may look awful in our country. Well, you know what? It may get terrible and gloomy. I don't know, but you know what? God makes a way of escape for his people. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Is that true? Romans 8, 31, if God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not with him also freely give us all things? What does that mean? Inflation comes, recession comes, depression comes, war comes, conflict comes, challenge comes, the government, socialism, communism, I don't care, I'm going to make it. Right? Now, you know, I listen, I listen to all kinds of stuff. I listen to podcasts, newscasts, I read things, and everybody's talking about the boogers here. I mean, it looks bad, and it looks gloomy. Look, and I, what I just read when I started, I mean, it really looks bad. But you see, faith enables you not to focus on the bad, but go beyond that and focus on God in the middle of the bad. And see, that's how I've lived my life, all of my life. And I can tell you in every skirmish of life, you can make, if you, if you don't quit and keep your eyes on Jesus, you might take them off and take a bobble or two underwater, but get yourself out from under the water and look back at the author and finisher of your faith and you're going to make it, right? So number three last week I mentioned living by faith means believing. Now this is key, believing right now. Everybody say now. We're going to take that one and put it in the bank today. Believing right now that what God says in the Bible is true, even when it contradicts what you see and feel. So, so, so I want to emphasize, see, living by faith means that you believe not sometime in the future, not that it's going to be okay, but you believe that right now, right now, what God said about you is 100% true. Even though your eyes can't see it, your flesh can't feel it, and your circumstances look awful. You look beyond all of that, and you see God, and you see his promise. How many hear me? See, listen, faith is for what God promised, but you can't see it. You can't feel it. It doesn't seem to be true. Faith says it's yours when it looks absent. Did you hear me? I'm telling it works. And I got that from uh, Hebrews 11.1. 1. I mentioned this last week. Now, faith is the substance. Everybody say substance. You could uh, put the word title deed there for that Greek word. Faith is the title deed of things hoped for. Then the evidence of things not seen. From that... Um, there are three things found in that verse that I just want to reemphasize today. Number one, faith is now. Everybody say, faith is now. Uh, turn it around and say it this way. If it's not now, it's not faith. Now, now there's something that looks like faith, uh, and it's a necessary component of faith, but if you stay in this one, you'll fail. you could fail. Hope looks a lot like faith. Do you get it? Everybody's looking. What do you mean? Okay. Okay. What is a hope? Hope is a desire. Hope is a, a blueprint. You know, we built that building over there. We got blueprints. The blueprint showed us what we wanted in our future, right? We had blueprints for the whole property here, put a road in, and put new parking lots in, got a new retention pond over here, all that. Well, we had blueprints that said, do it like this. Well, the blueprint told us what we wanted but the blueprint didn't make it happen. Somebody had to put elbow grease to that blueprint, right? We had to have, we had workers, construction workers come each phase of the process. And see, faith, see, hope is like the blueprint. Hope doesn't get you there. Hope shows you what you want. So let me start with this. If you have no hope, then you're a very depressed person. You ever been? I've been there. You don't think or believe, and it doesn't look like anything can be better. You have no hope that you'll ever get over that physical issue. You have no hope that your circumstance could ever change, right? You have no hope that your job will ever change or whatever, your financial situation or your circumstance, whatever it is. See, a hopeless person is a despondent person. Is that true? See, suicide's at an all-time high now because people are hopeless. The first thing that God gives you is hope. Did you hear me? See, Jesus gives you hope that life can be different, that you can be different, that life can change, that God will respond to you. God's made promises to you. That's hope, right? How many, 
How many have needed hope in your life? I've needed it a bunch. First thing I look for in my life is hope. See, if I'm hopeless, that means I'm a depleted person. All my energy reserves are just all bled out. I got to find some way to grab my hope, right? You know, I've been in ministry since 1981. I don't know how many times um, I've talked to people. I've talked to people in hospitals. I've talked to people in my office. I've been in their homes over the years. And the people that are so despondent, if I say if I say yes, they say no. If I say white, they say black. If I say good, they say bad. I mean, you know, they're just constant pessimists. If you find a person, maybe that's you today. Maybe you're a pessimist. Maybe, maybe you feel like life just cannot be different. You always get the short end of the stick. Nothing ever works out right for you. Friend, Jesus, number one, wants to give you hope that life can be different. Did you hear me? So you got to know that. And so when I came to Jesus, I, I, I figured this out, that I, I got to have some desire. Uh, hope is a desire. Hope is a yearning for things to be different. Is that true? If you don't have that, God wants you, number one, to have hope. Yes or no? But if you just stay at hope, it may never eventuate. It may never come to pass. Hope is not enough. Paul said three things in 1 Corinthians 13. You remember the very end of that uh, whole passage there? What is it? Uh, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. But you see, you got to have faith along with your hope. Right? And see, what does faith do? Faith takes hope. Hope is always the future. Say this. Faith, hope is always the future. See, if I'm looking to get it, I don't have it yet. Right? So what faith does is grabs hope and says, hmm, I got it right now. That's what, because that's what he said in uh, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith, everybody say now faith is. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If it's not now, it's not faith. So, so the natural inclination, and you've heard this thousands of times. Well, I believe it when I see it. Now maybe you've said that. Maybe you've said that last week. Well, I believe it when I see it. Your child's challenged with this or this and, you know, somebody said, well, they can do better. Well, I believe it when I see it. Or maybe it's about your own life. Maybe it's about your finances, your business. Your, well, I believe it when I see it. Well, that's not what God told you to do. You got it backwards. My dad, well, I shouldn't say it, but I'm going to say it. My dad calls it bass backwards. Figure that out. I won't say any more beyond that. No. No, you got you to gotta believe before you see. That's the spiritual thing that God wants us to do, Right? Right? So, so let me give you an illustration. Back in 1981, I entered ministry August 25th, 1981, after my second Bible school, and I was out of the will of God getting into ministry. Hip, hip, hooray. Nowhere but up from there. So I'd been there about a month, and I was associate pastor of a church in my hometown. And it was, uh, I wasn't paid. I had to get a job, and I, I had a job, and then uh, I was associate pastor of the little church. And uh, anyway, I was called to go to a hospital to visit a man. I've never, this, this was formative for me. You just don't understand. This thing affected me so deeply when I, I was, you know, 81, I was 23. I just turned 23. This thing affected me. I just can't tell you. I got to the hospital um, in a hometown and, and knocked on the hospital door. And this guy come in and uh, come up to the door inside the room in, in a gown, you know. And, and it's the guy that one of the church members wanted me to go pray for. I said, okay, sure. So, so when I, listen to this, now this is an odd story, watch. When I got to the door, he said, oh, praise God, you're from that church? I said, yeah. He said, praise God, I'm healed. I'm going to be healed. Oh, man, I'm going to be healed. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa can I get in the room? And I walked in the room. And he had gotten a book. Now, there's a book that is a really great book. It's called Christ the Healer by F.F. F. Bosworth. And it was actually, Kenneth Hagin gave it out at his Bible school in Tulsa, and I had gotten it prior to that in the Bible school I went to before that. And I had read that book several times, so I knew the book fairly well. He said, man, I got, to, I got faith. My, I'm going to be healed. Well, he had been at work and blacked out and fell on the floor. He was like a machine tool and die guy. He made things. And he fell out on the floor. He took him to the hospital. I did an MRI, found he had a big tumor in his brain. And the doctor said, we need to operate, we need to operate now. Well, he got a hold of this book. Now, here's where a lot of people miss it. He had no foundation for this. He had never heard about faith. 
He had rarely heard about answered prayer. You know, a lot of people just case arasarai, whatever will be, will be. And they just pray, not really expecting anything. And that had been him. Till he read this book, he got high on that book. And he kept saying, I'm going to be healed. I'm going to be healed. I said, sir, let me encourage you. I think you need to do what the doctors. Oh, I'm going to be healed. I'm, and see, he gave it away. He wasn't in faith. He was in hope. No, the truth is he was in desperation. Somebody said to me years ago, if you wait to get faith when you've got to have it, you'll be at a disadvantage. Huh? Don't wait till the crisis comes. Start working on it right now when everything's good. When the flowers are blooming, the sky, there's no clouds in the sky, things are going good. That's when you need to start developing your faith. Is that true? Not when the gloomy comes. Not when the bad comes. Not when the devil attacks. Not when the sickness comes. Get it before then, right? Now, God will help you if you're in a desperate place. I'm not saying he won't do that either. God will work a miracle. But if you got time, take the time. Well, anyway, this man, I told him, I said, sir, let me just, just as kind as I could be. I said, sir, let me just be as real as I can. I hear what you're saying. I think that's a great and awesome book. But, sir, I want to submit to you that you're not in faith. You're in hope. And that you don't know a lot about this enough yet. And my encouragement, listen to that doctor. <laughs> Go under the knife, let him cut that thing out. Let's believe God on the other side. He said, oh, no, 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 no. And I, right then I heard he shut his mind. He wouldn't listen. Now, how many know you're in trouble if you won't listen? And then, the, you know, Proverbs says, speak not in the ears of a fool. He'll despise the wisdom of your words. So I said, sir, I can't encourage you enough. You need to have an operation. You need to do it. No, he didn't listen to him. Now, this is, a good, this is an illustration of faith versus hope. He thought he was in faith. I knew he was in hope because he displaced it. If he had said, I believe I receive healing right now, according to God's word, I believe I'm healed, that would have been a different matter, but he didn't. He said, I'm going to be healed. I'm going to be. The next month, I got word the man died. Left children, left his wife. Hope he had insurance. I hope it worked out well. See what I'm saying? See? Now, now that sounds like a real negative thing, but that taught me a lesson. It taught me a lesson to get the tenses right when I'm trusting God. You don't receive from future tense, that's hope. You receive from God by living in the past or present tense of his word. Do you get it? You got to take the hope and bring it to right now. So if you're believing God for something, then right now believe that you receive. Jesus said, whatever you desire when you pray, believe you receive and you'll have, right? Ah, goodness. The second thing about this book verse, Hebrews 11, well, now faith is the, the substance, the title deed of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Number two, faith is the title deed to what you've asked for. You may not see it, but it exists in your heart. You just know that you know that you know that you know that it's done. As far as you're concerned, it's yours. Just a matter of time until it shows up. See, that's an inner, faith is like an inner knowing, an inner, inner confidence. So if you've got this, um, if you've got this just nagging, well, I don't know if it's working yet. That's not faith. Faith is an inner confidence, it's an inner knowing. Does that make sense? That what God has promised is yours right now. Now, the reason I say that, I mentioned last week, the reason I say that is everything exists in two realms. And I mentioned this last week, first of all, spiritual, and lastly, physical. Everything you see had its origin in the spirit. All of the materials that this building is made of, all of these materials came from the earth, yes or no, or the things that grow out of the earth. Is that true? 100%. And so we've just used them, and, but they exist. And, and, but, but then where did, where did they get their origin? God spoke them into existence. See, words create, and we'll get to that in just a minute. They existed before you could physically see them. So everything that we need already exists in God. I mentioned this last week, Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has, ble who has, has. Everybody say has. Is that past tense, present tense, or future tense? Past. Who has already, you could say, who has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing. 
in the heavenly places in Christ. And then 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Life includes your your natural life that you can see. So godliness is your spiritual life. So everything we need naturally and spiritually already exists in God. And uh, Hebrews 11, in fact, I'm going to get there in just a minute. Everything we need already exists. And faith acts like it already exists. How many hear what I just said? So when you're believing God, you think like you believe you receive it now, not in the future, right now. You talk like, I'm going to get to that before we close in just a minute. You talk like you believe you've got it now when it looks like you don't have it and it doesn't feel like you have it. Got it? And then you act as much as you can like you have it even though it doesn't seem to be true. Back in 1988, God led me to go to a small town in South Carolina, start a church. They had never been. Now, now there were Baptist churches, Methodist churches, Presbyterian churches, no Catholic church, no Lutheran church, but all the major denominational churches. I don't even think there's a Pentecostal church in the town. So I came to, uh, to start a, 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 you know, interdenominational church. I'd call it full gospel church, a charismatic, spirit-filled church such. And they had never had anything like that. Nobody knew what that looked like. So uh, I just took my three little kids. Well, two children. Susan was pregnant with Jessica, our third child. We had four. And uh, we, we set up camp in that town, rented a house. And y'all, I, start, I said, Lord, I need a place. We, we, rent, we, we stayed in my living room until we just maxed my living room completely out. And we had no more room. And I said, Susan... And it was, we started the church 1st of September in 1988. By the end of September, we just maxed out the living room. I mean, we just had more people. And then Susan was doing, uh, doing children's ministry on the screened-in back porch. Wasn't that fun, Susan? Get people ready. So, you know, it's like we got to have some help. We need a place to stay. So that's what we did. And so I started looking around, and I said, Lord, I need a really good building. It last a while. I just need to rent one. I don't need to buy a building. I need to rent one. We don't have any money. Let's believe God. So I said, you know, we'd sold a house in South Carolina. I spent all the proceeds on the house getting this church going. It's about spent all my money doing. I got the thing going. And I said, okay, God, we got to have a building. And I was looking, believing God. And so I said, Father, I need a building that is big enough for us to house what we have now and to grow. So I ask you in Jesus' name for a nice building in this city in Jesus' name. And then I called a realtor. And I just said, thank you, thank you a thousand times. Oh, thank you, Lord, for my building. Thank you, Lord, for my building. I called a realtor said, I need a building. I need a place that's rent, that's, that, that, for rent. And you know where she took me? I've told this story before. She took me, I'm not making this up. She took me down a little side road and took me to what was a, a tobacco barn. <laughs> to say I was insulted is uh, not telling the tale. I got a lot of ways to express that. I was not happy. In fact, I walked in the front door and I did, I'm 6'3". I walked in the front door, I had to do this. And then I couldn't stand up all the way. Here's the roof. So I'm walking right here, Susan, you know, look, I'm walking around like this. She said, well, you got a place right here you can preach. You got a place over here for children's ministry. I'm walking like this. I said, but I'm walking like a daggum duck. I got so aggravated. And, you know, she said, well, there ain't a whole lot in this area. And I said, all I said was, thank you, ma'am. Now, I'm not calling her a swine. But Jesus said, don't cast your pearls before pigs. So I just said, thank you, because, I, you know, she wouldn't have understood. And I said, Lord, you promised, and I ask you, and there's a building for me. I, long story short, you know what happened? I got a call out of the blue. Evidently, this lady had talked to a doctor in town. What's it? Basili. Dr. Basili. He called me. He owned an old Belks building downtown. Main, one, yes, one of these cities, one main street, you know. And he said, Mr. Horton? I said, that's my name. Yes, sir. How can I help you? He said, you're a pastor, right? I said, yes, sir. He said, I have a building right there on Main Street that is empty. It was an old Belks building. They've built a new Belk in another city. And I'd like to rent this for you, to you. I said, well, I'd love to talk to you. I went over there and met with that man. 10,000 square feet. That ain't bad. 
from my little, you know, living room. That's not bad. And uh, he said, I'll tell you what, it's not rented. I give it to you $500 a month. I said, where do I sign? Where do I sign? <laughs> Question, did God answer the prayer? Now, I went weeks, y'all, and my head's telling me, you're an idiot. You're a fool. My, my emotions are telling me this ain't working. Nobody cares about you. They don't give a squat diddly. You know what that is? Diddly squat about you. But, you know, I said, you know, it don't matter. God answers prayer. And I just, every time I thought about it, I said, Lord, thank you for the building. See, faith takes hope and brings it to the now. See, every time I thought about it, I didn't pray about it the same way. I just said, Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. I believe I receive. I believe it's mine right now. I believe it's mine now. Thank you for the building. Thank you for the place for the church. And I just said it every time I thought about it. I didn't go back and say, oh, God. Oh, God. You called me here, oh, Lord. You know what I mean by that? I don't know what I'm going to do. You called me here and spent all my money. Oh, God, we got nowhere to go. I didn't do that. That's unbelief, religious unbelief. I said, Father God, you said you answered prayer. And I said over and over again, I might have said it 500 times. Lord, thank you for the building. Thank you. And that doctor called me. And I went and got me some chairs. Somebody gave me a piano. <laughs> I got some chairs. I got all the stuff. I, I mean, it was amazing how it worked out. I'm just telling you, I could stand here all day long to tell you about circumstances, things like that, talk about finances. I've started businesses. I've started ministries. I've started churches. I've had to deal with finances on all kinds of levels. We've been here all these years. Uh, physical things, when it looks like I'm not going to be healed, God always comes through. But you've got to have hope. You've got to take the hope and bring it to right now. South Carolina say right now. you got to believe that right now it's yours. Did you get it? So what are you doing with your life? What are you doing with what you're praying for? What are you doing with what you're believing for? You've got to be really practical with yourself. Faith is like a muscle, and you've got to keep your muscles developed or they atrophy, right? So faith is developed by exercise. First of all, to develop muscles, you've got to eat right. Secondly, you've got to exercise. Uh, if you eat right and don't exercise, your muscles aren't going to do what they're supposed to do, right? Right? And so faith is the same way. You've got to eat right. First, that is get in the Word. I read scripture over and over and over and over and over just that redundantly. And then I put it into practice. Every opportunity I get, I exercise faith. Now, I'm, I, I'm not going to get to point four today, and I wanted to. I'll get to it next Sunday. Is that all right? Because I, I just had to slow down. But listen, listen to this. Uh, uh, for instance, uh, two years ago, two things happened. It's really strange. Uh, one was uh, September, I got the strange brain, I remember things. September 4th, uh, 2021, actually September 5th, 2021. I was at a conference in Myrtle Beach and I go for walks every day and I walked five miles down the beach. So I put my little walking shoes on and I'm just walking and I walked two and a half miles to a pier and walked two and a half miles back and then, you know, uh, went to the room, took a shower, went to the meeting that evening and, uh, and the next day when I got up, y'all, 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 I don't know what I did, but it was just bad. <sighs> I guess it's a tendon or whatever right here on my heel. Son, I got out of bed the next day. I know I'm being dramatic, but it was that bad. It hurt. I said, God, what on earth have I done to myself? You know, I do a lot of things to myself. I heard Lester Sermon years ago before he died. He said, he said, I tell my body what to do. He said, body, you better come after me. And you better get up and keep up with me. I'm going to run off and leave you one of these days. So I hurt my left foot badly. And y'all, I mean to tell you, I just can't describe how bad. Now, you know, I could have went to a doctor. And he could have said, well, you got this, this, and this. You do this, this, and this. And, and I knew pretty much what he would say. And, that, and he would give me some pain medication. 
But here's what I chose to do because I understand the principles of faith. I look for every opportunity to exercise faith. So that's probably not going to kill me. I'm just going to sound weird when I scream. So, so I said, I'm going to exercise faith. So I just got my heel. I said, Lord, Jesus took my sicknesses when he took my sins. I laid, and the Bible says you lay hands on the sick and they recover. So I said, Lord, I ask you to heal my foot in the name of Jesus. And I thank you for healing me. And then the next step, ow, <laughs> ow. It's kind of like that. I'm being dramatic. I know, but So that was September 5th, all through the end of September, all through October, all through November, and about the second week of December. Now, every day, and, and I didn't stop walking. I'm walking like, Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Jesus' name. You know, and... Uh, and my body was reminding me it's there. And, um, but see, I kept saying, Lord, I've asked you to heal my, my knee, my, uh, not my knee, my uh, heel. And I just thank you for healing my heel. Thank you. Thank you. So, see, you got to take what you, you hope for and bring it to now. So every day, as, and I acted on it. That might seem stupid to walk on something that's hurting so bad. But I thought, well, I'm going to stay in shape and I'm not going to let this deter me. And I just did it. And one day I got up several months later, and doing my normal stuff, and I put my heel on the floor. It's like, <laughs> it don't hurt. <laughs> Not my leg hurts, no, I'm kidding. You see what I'm saying? I was playing cards December, that same year, December of 2021. What's that name of that weird game? Taco, pizza, What? Goat and what? Cheese, yeah. A weird game. My kids were playing it. And to do it, you got to slap, 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 slap. What do you call it? Slap, 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 slap. Repetitiously. Slap, 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 slap the table. And I wasn't slapping the table easy. I was like slapping that dude. I'm going to put a knot on that table. Pop, pop. I got up the next day, tennis elbow. <laughs> I mean, y'all, I couldn't even move my arm. I mean, it's like, ow, ow. I'm trying to shower, ow, shaving, ow, you know. And uh, so I did the same thing. Now, why am I telling you this? You use faith in small things. Then when the big things come, you know what to do. Do you get it? Same thing. December 24th, 2021, I messed it up. And, uh, you know, so there it was. And uh, the very end of April, that's how long it took. It was just inflammation of those tendons and all right there. And I knew I just had to kind of chill out, but I don't chill out well. But I knew if I believe I receive, I'd overcome. Now, I could again, I could have done medication and all kinds of stuff and maybe put it up in something, but I didn't. Could have. But see, what did I do? I used that as an opportunity to learn how to believe God when something's, you're probably not going to die of tennis elbow. All right? There's a big, long medical name for it. I looked it up. But anyway, but so I believe God. And you know, when, when it, I got over, it's like, whew, I got up one day and there's no pain. It's like, there you go. But I believed I received it the whole time. Does that make sense? And I wasn't barely aching. No, it hurts so bad. Oh, God, please help me, Jesus. I didn't do that. I just gave thanks every single time I thought about it. Does that make sense? So you're here today as we close. You need healing for your body you need finances maybe you got a business and it's not going the way you think it should or maybe on your job you believe in God for a promotion or maybe a raise or whatever and um, you know that's hope so you can pray and say God here's what I need I need more finances for my family so I ask you for this let me tell you where my faith I'm believing God to get people saved I'm exercising my faith that I'm believing God people every Sunday we're going to have set free right here. Huh? I exercise my faith for that kind of stuff. Now, you know, you, you get to a point that if you walk with God long enough and you just don't quit, you know, he takes care of you, then you exercise your faith for lots for his stuff in his kingdom. Does that make sense? That's the way it works, y'all. And I don't know, I can just tell you that... Um, Knowing God the way I know him today, after 47 years, September 76, he is the most 
honest, trustworthy, kindest, most gracious person I've ever met. He lets me fail and picks me up. He always honors what he says. He always does what he promises. And I can recommend him to you. You can lay your life on the you can lay your life down in front of him and he'll pick it up and help you out. Is that good news? So my encouragement as you start your next week this week, start walking by faith in every single thing. Here's what I do know as a pastor. A lot of people think they're walking in faith, they're walking in hope because they've never taken that blueprint of what they want in the future and taken and grasped it and did what Jesus said. Whatever you desire when you pray, believe you receive it.